This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hi, it's Thomas Party. Welcome to this edition of Arsenal Audio Monday Program. Arsenal versus Crystal Palace, Sunday, nineteenth of March, twenty twenty-three. Kickoff, two p.m. The contents, captain's notes. Around Arsenal, sustainability, player feature, Leandro Trossard, minute detail, community voice, academy young gun, Charles Sego Jr., around the academy, women, visitors, Crystal Palace, match action, Arsenal versus Fulham, and teams. Martin Odegaard, Captain's Notes We had a really, really good performance against Fulham last weekend, especially in the first half. The only thing is that we should have scored more, because we definitely created the chances. But it was a great performance, very solid. And I think we played with a really good fluidity. We moved the ball well, defended well when we had to, and scored some good goals too. I was pleased with my goal, and when you watch it back it looks more calm than I felt at the time. I just wanted to get it down on my left foot and have space to beat the keeper. It was a great ball again from Leo. What a great game he had, an amazing game. I felt sure that at the time that the defender was going to clear it with his head, so I had to react when the ball dropped to me. It landed at my feet and then I was just thinking about finding the right gap to get the shot away. I think we deserved that 3-0 lead from what we produced in the first half. The second half is maybe where we can improve though. It's often like that in games when you have dominated the first half and controlled things. The second half is usually a bit different. We spoke about that at half-time because we wanted to come out and keep doing the same as we had been doing and keep scoring goals. We didn't want to stop. So what happened in the second half was not really what we wanted to happen. 
they created some more chances, had a few set pieces, and that's not what we'd talked about at the break. As I say, it happens a lot in games like this. It's not what we wanted, but sometimes it's hard to change the game. But at least we managed to keep the clean sheet, and in the end, it was a solid win for us. There was good news for everyone when Gabriel Jesus came on as well. Knowing him as we do, we know he really wanted to score, but just seeing him get out there again was great. He's a big boost for us going into the end of the season now. He will give us so much, not just in the games, but also every day in training. How he trains, how he competes and fights, and his hungriness. It's great to have that again. You may have seen the photos of us with the clock in the dressing room at Fulham. That was just something we spoke about before the game. We spoke about the importance of working together as a team, like the parts of a clock. We also know the clock is an important symbol of the club and our history, so it was nice that we could use the clock to remind us of togetherness before the game. At the start of the week, I was at the London Football Awards and was honoured to be named London Premier League Player of the Year. It means a lot to me because, as I said in my speech on the night, I think there were a lot of candidates for the award, and that's just in our team alone. So of course it's a high honour for me, and it was good to see the club being recognised as well. Bakayo, Aaron and the manager all won awards too, and I think someone said that no team has ever won all those prizes in the same year before. It shows what we've done this year, and this season so far, and how far we've come. We're heading in the right direction, and it's down to us to keep it going and keep pushing, to make sure we finish well. Our focus now is on facing Crystal Palace, and I think it's always important to finish well before you go away and play internationals and you don't see your teammates for 10 days or so. It's another big game, a big test for us, and we're looking forward to it because we're on a good run and we want to keep it going and keep playing well. I've watched Crystal Palace lately, and I know they haven't been getting the results they would have wanted, but for me, they're a team with a lot of qualities, especially up front. They have some individuals who can turn games and create problems for any team. Players like Zahar and Etze, of course, but plenty of others too. They're a team that can be dangerous on the counter, so we need to be ready for that. They always give us a good test. After the game, I'll be meeting up with the Norway team again for the first time this year. We've got two difficult away games in the qualifiers against Spain and Georgia. The 2024 European Championships have been the main target for us for a few years now. So these are two very big and important games for us to start the qualification process as well as possible. So it's a tough start, but it's really important because hopefully we can manage to qualify for the first time in 24 years. It's been a long time for us. First though, we're just focused on our clubs and it would be great to go into this international break on the back of another win. Thanks for your continued great support. It really does mean so much to us. Enjoy the game. Around Arsenal. Arsenal clean up at London Football Awards. The Gunners swept the board at the London Football Awards last week winning four major prizes in the men's categories in recognition of our incredible form this season. Martin Odegaard won the Premier League Player of the Year award, while Bukayo Saka won the Young Player category. Aaron Ramsdale landed the prize for Best Goalkeeper, and Mikel Arteta won Manager of the Year. Congratulations to all on their well-deserved successes. Leah Williamson also picked up an award at the ceremony, which was held at the Roundhouse in Chalk Farm last Monday, 
and you can find out more about that elsewhere in the programme. There are also more photos of our winners in this issue's gallery section. It was a very Arsenal-orientated event this year with so many famous faces, as well as the award winners George Graham, Alex Scott, Alan Smith, Frank McClintock, Kelly Smith, Pat Jennings, Bob Wilson and Edu were all in attendance. The ceremony was even hosted by die-hard gooners Alex Brooker and Roman Kemp. The event raises funds for Bob's Willow Foundation, making precious memories for seriously ill 16 to 40-year-olds. For more information and to donate, visit www.willowfoundation.org.uk or scan the QR code in this section of the programme. Coaching for Life Hits Gender Equity Target The Arsenal Foundation marked International Women's Day earlier this month by revealing that Coaching for Life, our football programme in conjunction with Save the Children, that builds sustainable resilience in children at the Sa'atari refugee camp in Jordan, has achieved gender equity five years on from launch. Using a blueprint developed over 38 years of Arsenal in the community's work in North London, combined with Save the Children's experience in conflict and humanitarian crises, Coaching for Life uses the power of football to build a sense of belonging and improve the physical, mental and emotional well-being of children. Launched in Za'atari, one of the world's most populous refugee camps, which hosts around 80,000 people, more than half of whom are children. Coaching for Life focuses on supporting children and their families who have fled their homes since the outbreak of the Syrian war in 2011. Coaching for Life has removed the barriers to girls participating in football activities through education and by providing opportunities for them to come together to play football with their friends, building self-worth and confidence in the process. Investment in female coaches has also helped to increase girls' participation. Five years on, the number of girls participating has doubled, and there are now as many girls taking part as there are boys. Stay tuned for further updates from Za'atari, where we'll hear about the impact of coaching for life from the children themselves. Ref Watch Today's referee is Stuart Atwell from Nuneaton. The 40-year-old has only officiated one Arsenal game so far this season, our 2-0 win at Wolves in November, in which he issued the Gunners two yellow cards. Stewart has taken charge of 18 Premier League matches this season, showing 64 yellow cards and an average of just over 3.5 per game, and two red cards. He became the Premier League's youngest ever referee when he made his debut at the age of 25 in 2008. Bukeo and Aaron in England squad. England kick off their bid to qualify for the 2024 European Championships next week and Bukeo Saka and Aaron Ramsdale are both in Gareth Southgate's first squad since the defeat to France in the World Cup quarter-final. First up, the three Lions head to Italy to face the defending champions at the Stadio Diego Armando Maradona in Naples on Thursday, March 23rd with kick-off at 7.45pm. That's followed by a home match against Oleksandr Zinchenko's Ukraine next Sunday, March the 26th at Wembley Stadium, with kick-off at 5pm. A woman's game for the ages. The first ever women's club football match took place on March 23rd, 1895, 
within the shadow of Alexandra Palace. And to celebrate this landmark, Alexandra Park women's football team will be hosting a reenactment of the game, in which a team from the North beat a team from the South 7-1, next Sunday. The event at Alexandra Park Cricket and Football Club is free and will take place from 1pm to 5pm to celebrate women's football across the ages. For more details and ticket information, visit www.alexandrapalace.com. No Sambi for Palace. You don't have to worry about one of our own turning the tables on us today because Albert Zambi Lokonga will not be featuring for Crystal Palace. The Belgian midfielder is ineligible to play against his parent club under the terms of his loan deal with the Eagles. NMR shirts for young role models. The No More Red initiative, launched in January 2022 with Adidas to support the long-standing work being done by Arsenal in the community to keep young people safe from knife crime and youth violence. Within that, one of the aims was to spotlight the work of young people who have made a positive difference. And this afternoon, Harold and David will become the latest recipients of our special No More Red shirts. Harold Bennett is the founder of North London United a local project set up to help children and young people born with Down syndrome develop their skills, abilities and character through football. Over the past 10 years, Harold has worked tirelessly supporting people with Down syndrome with the heart of raising awareness and understanding in the wider community and has always been passionate, committed, dedicated to furthering opportunities for all. The impact of his project has also touched the heart of Arsenal players including Per Mertesacker, Lea Williamson, Granit Zaka and Ian Wright, who have all connected with the programme over the past decade. To cap it all, Harold is the father of three daughters, one of whom was born with Down syndrome and inspired him to create the initiative. David Okunade volunteers at Elizabeth House, an Islington youth group where young people are included in a range of fun, inclusive activities and trips. David has dedicated his time in the evenings ensuring young people who are often vulnerable are given the opportunity to have fun outside of school hours. As well as devoting his free time to Elizabeth's house, David is currently studying sports, health and exercise science with business studies, a joint honours degree at Brunel University, London. He is currently in his last year and hoping to graduate later this year. David has a strong sporting background and experience competing in various sports, including football, basketball, handball and badminton, and uses these experiences to inspire the young people that he works with. Embracing Alt Text For those of you who follow our official Twitter feed, at AFC Programme, you'll notice in common with all official Arsenal accounts, the ALT sign on our images. ALT stands for Alternative Text which is now provided for images and is an important aspect of web accessibility. Alttext provides a brief description of the image for individuals who are blind or partially sighted and using a screen reader. Screen readers cannot interpret images, so Alttext helps them to do so. Arsenal is proud to be inclusive, so on all our official Twitter accounts we use Alttext on images to assist our supporters. If you have a Twitter account, why not try it yourself? It is easy to set up and use, so you can make your imagery more accessible. 
To add descriptive text to your images before your tweet is sent, click on More, go to Settings and Support, go to Settings and Privacy, go to Accessibility, Display and Languages, go to Accessibility, go to Tick the Box next to Receive Image Description Reminder. You will get a reminder to add description every time you post an image. It makes such a difference to ensure making images accessible for all our Twitter subscribers. Crunkers become co-chairs. We are pleased to announce Stan Crunker and Josh Crunker have become our co-chairs, whilst Tim Lewis becomes our executive vice-chair. The appointments are recognition of how our leadership structure has evolved over the past several seasons since Cronkers Sports and Entertainment assumed 100% ownership of Arsenal Football Club in 2018. Stan, Josh and Tim have worked together to drive our club forward and their appointments bring clarity to our structure that reflect their roles and responsibilities and will ensure we continue in our pursuit of progress and success. Stan Crunker said, This is a simple evolution as part of us all driving Arsenal forward and further reaffirms our family's long-standing commitment to this great club. Stability in football has never been more important as we move past the pandemic and we believe this is the perfect time to formalise these roles. Our objectives and ambition will never waver, to field teams that compete for trophies at the highest level and lead our club in the way that inspires our passionate supporters around the world. Supported by our director, Phil Harris, and together with our executive team and all our wonderful people, we have an incredible opportunity to build on the values and traditions of Arsenal Football Club. Notice Board Totalizer, £680. Happy 60th birthday to our very own disability liaison officer, Jackie Pollard, from the DLT, all our disabled supporters, colleagues, family and friends. Happy 21st birthday to Fred Leach. Let's get a win on your special day, from all your family and friends. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Happy birthday, Simon Goodkind, the best dad and husband in the universe. Let's have an Arsenal win to celebrate. Love Jess, Samuel, Ava, Poppy, Zoe and Sepp. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Colton R. Welcome to Emirates Stadium to watch your first live Arsenal match. Happy birthday. Love mum and dad. Happy 65th birthday, Vanessa. My lovely wife and Guna. All my love, David. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Happy 11th birthday to our amazing son and junior gunner, Guy Kinnell. Love you lots, Mum, Dad, Ben and Adam. Happy 10th birthday, Albie. Love Mum, Dad and Ida. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Happy birthday, Andy Menzies Gal. All our love, Sophie, Rachel and Emma. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Happy 14th birthday, Steph. We hope you enjoy the match. Love Belle and Leo. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Ollie, thank you for all your support, especially when calling my name during warm-up. Happy 21st birthday. Make it a good one. Gabrielle M. Santi, happy first birthday. We can't wait to bring you to the Arsenal. Love all of the family. To my gunner, happy 18th birthday, Sam. All my love, Chloe. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Welcome to Emirates, visiting Seattle Gooners, Nate and Anita. Enjoy the game and have a great day. From Archie and Cindy. Happy 25th to Jordan Bradbury Newton. Love Team T. Kiss, kiss, kiss. 
wouldn't want to watch football with anyone else. Me and you until the end. Happy 50th birthday, G. Love your boy, Tino. Happy 15th birthday, Max Clark. Have a great day, C-O-Y-G. Love mum, dad and brother, Archie. Happy first anniversary, Luke. Here's to forever. Love, Charlie. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Lexi and Rosie Hemaway. Hope you enjoy watching your first Arsenal game at Emirates. Brendan Morahan. Happy 60th birthday, Dad. Hope you have the best day. Come on, the Gooners. Bernie, Ryan, Louise and Luke. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Arsenal remembers. Anthony Heels. Remembered by his friends and family at Arsenal Football Club. Don Musso. 1945-2023 to To our dear friend Don, stalwart of the East Stand and die-hard gooner. We will miss you on match days and every day. Love Grant and Jasper. Peter O'Toole, sadly passed away January 27th, 2023. A lifelong supporter attending games since the 1950s. A big character who will be greatly missed by family and friends. Thinking of you and sending lots of love. O'Toole family. Bahadruali Ben Panjwani, a lifelong supporter. He will be sorely missed by his wife, daughters and all who knew him. Jerry Valentine, February 18th, 1935 to December 24th, 2022. A big Arsenal fan who will be greatly missed, Dave, Max and Ben. Dudley Bryant, Highbury born and lifelong gunner, died peacefully at home on the Isle of Wight on December 16th, 2022. Aged 88. Much loved father to James and Thomas, stepfather to Owen, husband and rock to Barbara. Henry Peter Chance. Died December 9th, 2022. Aged 82. A lifelong Arsenal fan who lived life to the full and who is greatly missed by his loving family and friends. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Fiorindo Nechi Giri. Passed away on February 8th, 2023. Loving father of five, grandfather, brother and Arsenal fan since arriving in London as a boy from Brato, Italy. He will be missed by all of his family and friends. John Lamberton, season ticket holder of 30 years from Milton Keynes, passed away on January 24th to join the great clock end in the sky. A devoted father to Charlie and Freddie and husband to Lisa. Say hello to Rocky from the MK and Bletchley Lads and let's hope we win the league for you. R.I.P. Lambo, Binzi, Linny and Gaz. Meet the mascot. This afternoon's mascot is Ben, aged eight from Wimbledon. We hope you have a great day, Ben. Ticket news. Home tickets. Arsenal versus Leeds United, Premier League. Saturday, April 1st, kick-off 3pm. Tickets are now on sale to Silver, Cannon, Red and JG members via the Ticket Exchange Service up until 12pm on Saturday, April 1st. Arsenal vs Southampton, Premier League, Friday, April 21st, kick-off 8pm. This fixture could move to Sunday, April 23rd, kick-off 7pm, if Arsenal are involved in the Europa League the preceding Thursday. This fixture is also subject to Southampton's participation in the Emirates FA Cup semi-final. Tickets are now on sale to Silver Cannon Red and JG members via the ticket exchange service up until 5pm on Friday, April 21st. Arsenal vs Brighton and Hove Albion. 
Premier League, Saturday, May 13th, kick-off 3pm. Tickets will go on sale to Red Red Cannon and Red Senior members at 10am, Monday, March 27th. Away tickets, Liverpool versus Arsenal. Premier League, Anfield, Sunday, April 9th, kick-off 4.30pm. Tickets for this match sold out to away scheme, platinum, gold and travel club members with 30-plus away points. West Ham United vs Arsenal Premier League London Stadium Sunday April 16th kick-off 2pm Please visit arsenal.com for details of sales phases for this match. Sustainability Meet Amina Amina John is the nursery manager and safeguarding officer at the Arsenal Forest, which is a very important role. Amina makes sure all of the predominantly women workers are treated fairly and protected from exploitation. Many of the older workers are unable to read and write, and Amina explains safeguarding policies and their rights to them. She also organises safeguarding committees should a case need to be heard. Amina also ensures workers get adequate breaks from their tropical heat, no children work on the site and she makes sure employment in our forest is spread equally in the community. She also promotes a strong emphasis on inclusion, making sure that people living with disabilities are also employed whenever possible. Those with a disability are often at a serious disadvantage in this context. Last but not least, hard-working Amina makes sure project benefits, such as the highly prized kit we sent out to Bore, is shared out equitably with no favouritism. Our cups runneth over. As we race through the fourth session since introducing reusable cups at the stadium, we can reveal that we are now using over 40,000 each match day. Here's a reminder of why plastic cups are so important in our sustainable journey. After much research and consultation, we introduced the project back in August 2019, following a successful trial. Each cup is of huge environmental benefit as it can be used over 200 times, vastly reducing our single-use plastic waste. With the additional draft beer pumps installed across the stadium, the increase has meant more cups are needed. But this is a good thing, for the cup has replaced the single-use plastic beer bottle, meaning we have now hit 40,000 cups used per game. It was less than 20,000 in the first season. Every cup use means less bottles going to waste. This type of project really relies on the collection of the cups after the game to make sure they get reused as often as possible. And it's great to have so many of our fans putting the cups into the cup collection units around the stadium so we can get them washed and returned, ready for use at the next home game. However, our friends at Camden Town Brewery do have to restock the cups a couple of times every season to meet the demands of thirsty fans. Some of the cups get damaged, some reach the end of their life, and some, unfortunately, are removed from the stadium. Damaged and old cups are recycled with the rest of our plastic waste, but those that are removed are out of our control. 
Our cups are used for some soft drinks, but it's this market that is so heavily reliant on the use of the single-use plastic bottle, with 35 million soft drink bottles used in the UK every day. A huge problem we need to address. Our water dispensers in Emirates Stadium try to make a start, but we are constantly looking at ways we can improve and reduce waste. Reuse is certainly the best way to remove waste, so our cup is a valuable starting point. Let us work together. Always leave your cups for reuse. Please don't take them home with you. Grow your own. Carbon Link has already received lots of orders for trees from supporters wishing to add to the Arsenal Forest. More than 20,000 are now being planted. Thanks for getting involved. We want to expand our 12.5 acre area to make our forest as big as possible. There are three options to purchase trees. 25 trees for £25, 50 for £50, 100 for £100. If you are concerned about your own carbon footprint, this is an excellent way of making a small, sustainable step in the right direction. And also doing it in the name of the club you love. And what a unique gift for an Arsenal fan in your life. Scan the QR code in the programme for more information on our project and details of how to be part of our forest. Player Feature Inspirational Leandro Trossard we speak to our players about where they find their inspiration. Our winter signing on his journey in football so far, how he settled into life at Arsenal so quickly, and why words of wisdom from his grandfather help shape the player he is today. When Leandro Trossard signed for Arsenal in January, there was a stat doing the round stating that the Belgian had taken the same number of shots with his right foot as he had with his left so far this campaign for Brighton. Indeed, overall in his Premier League career, he scored 15 goals with his right foot and 10 with his supposedly weaker left. Having seen him in action for Arsenal over the past couple of months, it's clear that our new signing is one of the most genuinely two-footed players in the league. But it wasn't always the case. Growing up in eastern Belgium, Young Leandro was football mad and would play at every opportunity, but it was his grandfather who educated him about the importance of working on his weaker foot. Yes, my granddad really inspired me, especially when I was younger, Leo recalls. He didn't play himself, but he helped me a lot throughout my career. He was always there for me, supporting me, coming to games and everything. In fact, he was the one training me to use my left foot as well. He always used to say that if you want to be a top player, you need to develop both feet. My granddad said you have to be two-footed, and he helped me with that. He lived nearby, and whenever I stayed with him, he would always take me out to practice with him. I started playing football age seven, but I always loved football, even before that, the forward continues. I joined my first club when I was seven, but way before that I was into it and always wanted to play. I always wanted to play football with my friends outside. As soon as I started playing, I wanted to become a professional footballer. It was always my dream and my aim. There is no history of football in my family, really. 
Not at a high level anyway, but that didn't stop me believing I could do it. Leo's formative years in the sport were spent at smaller local clubs in the area of Mars Mechelen, where he was born and raised in Belgium near the Dutch border. In fact, it wasn't until he was 15 that he moved to a big local club, top flight side Genk, who were league champions the year he joined their academy. He may have been a relatively late starter in top flight football terms, but he had never lacked self-belief, bolstered by the support his family gave him. My parents, all my family, always believed and supported me, but to be honest I was always very motivated myself and always loved playing, Leandro says. It was a good step for me when I joined Genk, a top division club in Belgium, but to be honest I already believed I could make it before that. I always thought that one day it would be my time to show everyone I was good enough to be there. I grew up quite ambitious and motivated, but of course at that time I was young, and maybe when I found things easy for me, I could be a bit too relaxed. When I was younger, he admits. But in general, I believed in my qualities and knew that if I was needed, I could do some good things and show people what I had. He soon made his debut for Genk as a late substitute, age 17, near the end of the 2011-12 campaign. But for the next four years, he didn't play again for Genk. The following season was spent on loan at Lommel United in the Belgian second division and the next year he was loaned to Westerlo, also in the second division. The following year he was back at Lommel and his fourth consecutive loan was back in the top flight with Leuven. So, it wasn't until four years after his Genk debut that he finally started playing regularly for them. At a time when he was desperately trying to establish himself, did those regular temporary moves affect Leo's natural confidence and belief? Was it a frustrating period, being constantly farmed out on loan? No, it wasn't frustrating because I asked for it, Leo shrugs. I joined at 15, then at 17 I made my debut, but a couple of months later I saw that I wasn't going to get the game time, or even as a sub. I wasn't getting playing time, so I asked if I could go out on loan. That went really well for me. Those loan spells made me a better player and helped me go back to Genk and eventually start in that team. His time at Lommel was especially fruitful, averaging more than a goal every other game across his two spells, but it was his three seasons in the Genk first team that eventually caught the eye of visiting scouts, and in the summer of 2019, a few weeks after helping Genk to the league title, he signed for Brighton and Hove Albion. It was a crucial decision for the forward, and a natural step after starring in the Jupiler Pro League. I wanted to make the move, he recalls, so I spoke about it with my wife and she was up for it as well. So we made our first move away from Belgium. She leaves those kinds of decisions up to me because she trusts me, hopefully, to make the right decision, Leandro adds. To be honest, moving to England was all very smooth. We both wanted the new adventure. We had no issues settling in and me and my wife both spoke English already, so we didn't have to adapt to anything like that. That side was always easy, so I could just focus on my football. Leo's wife has been alongside him virtually since he started his pro career, and he says she continues to be an invaluable source of inspiration and help off the pitch. Yes, we've been together since we were 18, nearly 10 years now, so she knows me very well, he says. She's been alongside me for the whole ride. She has helped me a lot. She knows, for example, when I'm injured or something like that, 
She knows how to help deal with that and how to help me. She supports me well, and we have two kids now as well, so if I ever have a setback or a difficult moment, it's nice that I come home, see my kids and spend time with my family. Leo had three and a half successful seasons with Brighton, scoring 25 times in 116 league outings. He became a senior Belgium international shortly after moving to England, working with Thierry Henry while on national duty, and he says the experience he has built up in the Premier League has been more valuable than any coaching or advice he's received from others. Obviously, every coach and manager helps you in a certain way, but it's difficult to say how exactly, the 28-year-old states. But you get experience over the years, and that makes you develop and improve. I've been in the Premier League for four years now, and I think that in every single game you play, you learn more and gain more from it. When I arrived at Brighton, maybe I made decisions and did things that I wouldn't do now. I know how to deal with those situations more because I've been there. All that gained experience meant Leo was oven ready for Mikel Arteta's squad when he signed in the January transfer window. The speed with which the Belgian forward has slotted into the manager's system racking up five assists and a goal in his first five league starts, is certainly testament to that. Leo says his mind was made up on the move as soon as the Gunners showed an interest in bringing him to the Emirates. When I first heard about it, I was really eager to come here because it's a top, top club, he grins. Obviously Arsenal had been doing really well already before I arrived, and seeing the team I knew that we could achieve something this season. I had a really good chat with the manager as well, and he really gave me more hunger to come here. For me and my family, it was a really easy decision. They've always wanted to see me at the highest level too, and for me, in the end, it was just a straightforward decision. While the speed with which Leo has fitted into the team has been extraordinary, he says much of that is due to being so settled off the pitch too. Now a father of two himself, his family unit remains tight, with his parents, sister and in-laws regular visitors coming over from Belgium. Yes, they have come to watch me a few times at the Emirates. To be fair, even before, at Brighton, they would come from home to support me. I would say every month there is always someone there supporting me, either family or friends. That's really nice to have that support, and especially for my wife as well. We have two young kids, one is a newborn, just a month old, and my wife's parents come over often, especially now with the baby. So that's a big help for us and for me too. It helps me get my rest. That's helped me settle here quickly at Arsenal off the pitch too. We are in a house already, renting, and that helps us. We sorted that out quickly, which we needed to do with the baby too. It means I can feel relaxed off the pitch and focus on my football. Obviously, I want to win things now, he adds. At this stage of my career, I think I've built it up how I wanted to. But every time I want to take another step up. And for me, this is a top club and now I'm ready to win things. Hopefully we can do that this season. We believe in that. It's not easy, but we will go for it. That's what I want to do. I'm inspired by becoming better and winning and having that motivation is just natural for me. I'm enjoying every single day right now and the moment I don't enjoy football anymore is when I'll stop playing. I'm happy with how it's going, and I want that to continue. One member of the Trossard family who's not managed to come and watch Leo in action at the Emirates yet, though, is his granddad, Gerard, 
but he keeps a close eye on his grandson's performances from afar. No, he's not been yet, Leo says. It's not the easiest for him to get here. But sometimes when I score with my weaker foot, he tells me, Do you see why we practiced that when you were younger? Now it comes off. It's nice to hear that, and it's why I always practice that. Every single time he told me how important it is to use both feet, as it will give me such an advantage in future. Now you can see that it's true. Minute Detail Since the start of the Premier League in 1992-93, Arsenal have scored more than 2,000 goals. In this series, we choose one memorable goal per minute. Today, we're looking at four more, including the goal that capped the unbeaten season in 2004. Andre Arshavin Arsenal 4, Blackburn Rovers 0 March 14, 2009 AFC Premier League goals in the 65th minute, 17. Andre Arshavin's first goal for the club was a taste of what would come in the Russians' Arsenal career. There appeared to be little danger when he took up possession wide on the left wing, near the byline, with nobody in an Arsenal shirt inside the penalty box. So the diminutive Russian headed towards goal himself, beating his man with a drop of the shoulder and dribbling into the six-yard box. There he was confronted by goalkeeper Paul Robinson guarding his near post and a seemingly impossible angle for Arshavin. But he moved the ball onto his right foot and struck a powerful shot over the keeper into the roof of the net. Patrick Vieira, Arsenal 2, Leicester City 1, May 15, 2004. AFC PL goals in the 66th minute, 21. The goal that completed the most remarkable league season in English football history. It was fitting that, just as Tony Adams had done in 1998, captain Patrick Vieira should provide the coup de grace at the end of a title-winning season. The title, of course, was already assured by the time Highbury hosted our 38th and final Premier League game of 2003-04. But there were still lots on the line as Leicester came to London. If we could avoid defeat, we would become the first side in the modern era to complete a league season without losing a single game. Ex-gunner Paul Dickoff cast doubt on that ambition when he scored in the 26th minute, and Leicester retained the lead at half-time. Thierry Henry scored a penalty to level things up, and then Vieira stole the show with this winner. Dennis Bergkamp naturally played his part too. The Dutchman had the ball midway inside the visitors' half, with Vieira to his left. Leicester were giving Bergkamp time on the ball, and this was Vieira's cue to make a darting run into the box, safe in the knowledge that Bergkamp would find him. The pass took out five players straight to Vieira's feet. He touched the ball past Ian Walker and rolled it home into the North Bank goal. We are unbeatable echoed around Highbury. History had been made. Immortality assured. Aaron Ramsey, Fulham Arsenal, October 7th, 2018. AFC PL goals in the 67th minute, 29. It was Aaron Ramsey who finished the move and started it near our own corner flag, but this goal wasn't about just one player. It was a superb team move from start to finish, with some wonderful technical flourishes along the way. 
Ramsey passed in field to Alexandre Lacazette, who held the ball up before returning it to the Welshman. Ramsey flicked the ball over a defender back to Lacazette, who in turn passed first time to Hector Bellerin over the halfway line. The defender didn't let the ball drop, instead backheeling it to Ramsey, who had continued his run. Ramsey controlled with his head, then headed again to Enrique Mkhitaryan, as we got deep into Fulham territory. Mkhitaryan's wonderful first-time pass released Pierre-Emerick over Mayang on the left flank, just inside the area. There was another first-time pass from Alba, this time to the edge of the six-yard box, where Ramsey backed-heeled the ball first time into the net, in front of the visiting fans. The whole sweeping move from one end of the pitch to the other had taken just 20 seconds. It was a worthy winner of the Premier League Goal of the Month award. Dennis Bergkamp, Arsenal 4, Southampton 2, September 23, 1995. AFC PL goals in the 68th minute, 26th. Dennis Bergkamp's long-awaited first goal for Arsenal came in the 17th minute of his eighth game for the club. He didn't have to wait long for the second, though. Just 51 minutes, in fact. And what a belter it was. Picking up the ball in midfield, he ran at the back-pedalling Saints' defence, then from 25 yards let fly with his right boot. The ball arrowed into the top corner of the North Bank goal, going in off the post. I think the relief of scoring the first goal gave me the freedom to try this, Bergkamp said later. It was quite a long way out, but I thought, why not have a go? And luckily it worked out. I don't think it was a goal I would have attempted if I hadn't already scored that day. My confidence was up to shoot from that distance. The Dutchman had set the standard that he would continue to live up to over the next 11 seasons and 120 goals in total. Community Voice Project Premier League Inspires Established 1986 Participants since starting 1000 plus Weekly participants 75 plus Sessions daily in secondary schools and sixth form colleges Available to young people aged 11 to 25 in Islington, Hackney and Camden Jet, 11 and from Islington, took part in the Premier League Inspire's Strong Young Gunners programme as part of a 14-strong group of Year 7 and 8 girls at her school. I used to train at the Arsenal Hub for a girls' team, but I didn't realise there were other opportunities to participate in programmes at school. I was really excited to take part and didn't need to be persuaded at all. When I was selected by one of my teachers, I was looking forward to working with other girls in Year 7 and 8, as well as have a football coaching session with one of Arsenal in the community's coaches. Straight away from the very first session, I enjoyed being part of the programme and enjoyed taking part in fun activities in the classroom, followed by football skills development and mini-matches on the pitch. Apart from playing football, I enjoyed the team building and communication activities that I took part in during the classroom sessions that make up a big chunk of the programme. This is because I really liked hearing different ideas from the other girls and working together to solve problems. I was also selected to represent Arsenal in the Premier League Inspires Protect the Planet Challenge. 
I really enjoyed working with my group to plan a project that will encourage Arsenal supporters to recycle more. As part of this, I was invited to the Arsenal training ground to meet and share our team's project ideas with some of the first team players and representatives from Ball, Arsenal's official sustainable beverage packaging partner. This event was a highlight of the programme and I really enjoyed speaking to the players on camera. I really enjoyed working with other girls in school that I don't usually spend time with. I also feel I have developed stronger friendships and a close bond with the girls on the programme that I was already friends with. I worked with Helen and Ramon from Arsenal in the community during the Strong Young Gunners programme and PL Inspires Challenge. They are fun and I liked working with them both on the recycling project and on the pitch. Being part of the programme has made school more fun and I enjoyed coming to the sessions every week because as well as reinforcing those friendships, they've helped me to develop new skills on and off the pitch. At school, those skills have helped me work as part of a group and the project has made me a happier and more creative person. I didn't expect the classroom activities to be so fun and thought I would be learning through playing games I also never expected to visit the training ground and meet some of the players. Being part of Arsenal feels special and taking part in this programme has been the best moment of my life. Academy Young Gun, Charles Sago Jr. For Basics. Born Kingston-upon-Thames, 24th of 7th, 2004. Joined Arsenal, 16th of the 7th, 2015. Height and weight, 5 foot 10 inches, 73 kilograms. Position, left wing, right wing, striker. School, Coombe Boys School, New Malden. Squad number, 71. Rate yourself out of 100. Pace, 87. Dribbling, 88. Shooting, 84. Defending, 50. Physical, 64. I'm from the south-west London area and it was my dad who first introduced me to football from a young age. I also remember being mesmerised by watching old Neymar and Ronaldinho videos on YouTube and then going into the garden trying to copy their skills. The Brazilian players were the ones I looked up to. They always played with a smile on their faces and they made the game of football enjoyable to watch. Growing up, I was a big Arsenal fan and I've seen all the highlights of the Invincibles and read up a lot about the great teams over the years. I know I'm only 18, but I watch a lot of football and I analyse games from the past a lot. I always hear from older family members how much fans adored the likes of Omri, Perez, Bergkamp, Wright and Overmars. I started off at a local team called Target, but they are now more commonly known as Met Police. I played there for a few years until I was scouted by Fulham from around under-9s and I played around two seasons there before Arsenal came calling. Signing for Fulham was a big moment for me and my family at the time as it was the first step in academy football and it made sense as it was very local to my house. The coaches and staff made me feel welcome from a very young age and it was a good environment for me to begin my academy journey. Other clubs like QPR and Brentford were also interested, but I decided to go with Fulham. The move to Arsenal was an intriguing one, as they first showed their interest when I was playing at a tournament for Fulham and I scored and assisted against them. After the game, I remember one coach said I was a very good player and was one to look out for. So, when they officially wanted to sign me, 
My family and I thought it was the right time, as we knew Arsenal had admired me from before. And also, it's the Arsenal, a huge step up given the stature and size of the club. Arriving at Hayland, I was really nervous. It's a bit like your first day at school. But the boys and the staff were brilliant with me, and everyone was so friendly and welcoming. Once I started opening up, it felt natural, and I felt part of the family environment. One of my favourite highlights from Hayland days was an international tournament in Spain, when I scored a second goal to seal an important win. I also remember a game against Watford in the under-13s Premier League Cup, where I scored the winner. Hale End was an enjoyable time, and there are many memories to look back on. When I got my scholarship to go to London Colney, it was an amazing feeling for me, and I was grateful for the belief the coaches showed in me. My first day at Colney was different because it was during the Covid period when we had social bubbles, so I never got to see many first-team players at the time. However, the difference between Hale End and Colney are vast. For example, there are a lot more staff and there are a lot of different spaces, such as an analysis room and a nutrition room. Once I got my first season under my belt, I felt comfortable, and it was a great experience to walk into. Last year was a special year for me as I signed my professional deal. My family and friends were overjoyed when I got the news. It was a massive moment for me, because I know that I'm pushing ever closer to achieving my dream, which is to play first-team football. It was also a huge relief because I know how hard I've been working for it. I've put in the hours and to see that being rewarded with a pro deal was fantastic. It shows how much everyone at Arsenal believes in me and I want to pay back their faith with my performances. But the work continues and as the famous saying goes, the reward for hard work is more hard work. It's very encouraging to see guys like Bukayo, Reese, Eddie and Emil smashing it for the first team. It gives me inspiration to know that Arsenal believes in its young talent and can trust them to play for the first team, as we are seeing in the Premier League this season. Seeing someone like Bukayo, who's played at the World Cup and is now smashing it in the Premier League with double-digit goals, gives me the motivation to know that I can one day follow the same route because he's been in the same position as me once upon a time. Being involved in the Europa League setup for the Sporting Lisbon away game was an unbelievable experience. I was nervous as it was my first time being involved in the Europa League matchday squad, but all the players were so welcoming and they make you feel part of the team, so no one ever feels alone. Even though I didn't get on, I know that this is where I want to be, week in, week out. The atmosphere at the stadium was immense. I enjoyed being in and around it. Before going to Lisbon, I was part of the camp that went out to Dubai in the winter during the World Cup, which was another surreal experience. The fact that I was able to enjoy the experience with a few boys from the under-21s made it more special. Everyone made me feel welcome, but in particular Rhys Nelson and Eddie Nketiah really opened up to me and spoke to me on a more personal level, which I appreciate. There were some good times and the vibes were great. For my initiation, I had to sing One Dance by Drake, which I was nervous about, but after the 30 seconds were up, I got a round of applause at least. I've also trained with the first team, and the main difference between the under-21s and the first team is the intensity. The intensity of under-21 football is already high, but at the first team level, it goes a step higher. When I'm coming up against the likes of Ben White and Gabrielle 1v1, 
It's a much more challenging battle than what I'm used to. They know exactly how to defend against me, and, because of their experience, they are smart enough to put themselves in the right positions. It's the little details of my movements they'll pick up on, and it's those fine margins that you need to learn if you want to play at the high level they're at. For the rest of the season, I want to establish myself in the under-21s by playing well, getting goals and assists, and helping the team win as much as possible. I want to continue enjoying my football by playing with a smile on my face. Around the Academy Arsenal under-18s coach Jack Wilshere praised his side's character in a chaotic 4-3 defeat to Crystal Palace in the under-18s Premier League on Saturday, March the 11th. In a thrilling game, we took the lead early on through Seb Ferdinand, but the Eagles hit back three times to lead 3-1 after 20 minutes. Osman Kamara's stunning effort and Mikel Rogiak's curler either side of the break drew the young gunners level only for the host to strike late and snatch all three points. I thought we started really well and were in complete control, but a few mishaps and we were 3-1 down, said Wilshire. It's those moments we have to get better at, and the boys will need to learn because if you want to play in the Premier League, or at any level, you make it hard for yourself if you give goals away. But credit to the boys. They showed character to get back into the game at 3-3, and I thought we had enough chances to win it. Losing it at the end is always tough, but there are a lot of positives to take. Meanwhile, there was also a cruel loss this week for the under-21s, who exited the Premier League Cup at the quarter-final stage on Monday, March 13th. Under-21s head coach Mehmet Ali rued his side's missed chances in the second half after a late penalty gave Brentford B a 1-0 win. I felt we were on top in the second half, from around 70 to 85 minutes. It was all us. We had our chances and we were doing very well, said Ali. Our response and reaction to our first half performance was good, but we've lost the game, so we have to go again. This was the third game in a row in which we conceded a late winner, but Ali remains encouraged by his side's endeavour and believes his charges will improve. Our job as a group of staff is to make sure that we keep supporting the players and keep sticking to the process that we're working on. But this is football. It's cruel. There's great learning to take from it. But we do need to look at ourselves and find ways of improving our concentration for the duration of games, he added. FA Youth Cup semi-final date confirmed. Having reached the last four of the FA Youth Cup, our under-18 side will face Manchester City in the semi-final on Tuesday, April 4th, kicking off at 7pm UK time. As they did in the previous round, Jack Wilshere's side will once again take to the Emirates Stadium to face City, hoping to book a place in the final against either West Ham United or Southampton. Our young gunners made it this far by thrashing Millwall 6-0 in round three, before beating Newcastle United 3-2 and then overturning a two-goal deficit to beat Watford at Vicarage Road. They then found a last-minute winner to overcome Cambridge United in the quarter-final to set up a meeting with Ben Wilkinson's City side, who last lifted the trophy in 2020. To get to this stage, they've knocked out Blackburn Rovers, Brighton and Hove Albion, Fleetwood Town and Oxford United, scoring at least three times in each tie. Tickets for the FA Youth Cup semi-final at Emirates Stadium are available now on arsenal.com. Sesk is back. 
ex-Arsenal midfielder Cesc Fabregas was back at the club recently as he works towards earning his coaching qualifications. Our former captain, who joined the club as a 16-year-old and went on to make more than 300 first-team appearances, was working with Jack Wilshere and the youth players at London Colney. I'm here with the under-18s, working with Jack, because I'm doing my UEFA A licence, Cesc explained. Jack is helping me to go through the whole process, and it's very interesting because I'm learning a lot. I'm seeing different things, and I like how Jack organises his coaching. He's got his own methodology. He wants the boys to keep learning and to improve, and it's great to see. Wilshire and Fabregas played alongside each other in the Gunners' midfield during the 2010-2011 season, and the Spaniard, now 35, was delighted to be back with his former teammate. As his first coaching job, I'm very, very impressed, Sesk said. I'm very happy for him, because I see that they value him a lot here. They respect him. They let him do his own thing, and he's doing it very, very well. As I mentioned before, he's got his ideas. He's making the boys understand what it means to play for Arsenal, and that the aim is always to get better as a player and as a person. To make it one day to the first team is obviously the dream and the objective for all these boys. It's not easy, but if one or two can make it, it will always have been a decent job from him, for sure. Academy players on European duty Academy players Charles Sago Jr., Mauro Bandera and Raul Walters were all named in the first-team squad for last Thursday's Europa League last 16 first-leg tie at Sporting Lisbon. It was the first competitive senior call-up for the trio, who were all unused substitutes, although they had featured in first-team friendlies over the last year. Sago Jr., 18, is a pacey, skillful winger, who's also played up front a number of times for the under-21s this season. Portuguese native Bandeira is an all-purpose midfielder who's played a number of solid games at right-back. While Walters is a defender who can play at right-back or centre-back and has impressed this season. Also on the bench were under-21s captain Matt Smith and goalkeeper James Hilson. Arsenal Women Leah picks up an award. England captain Leah Williamson was on hand at the London Football Awards this week to collect the Power of Football Award on behalf of the Lionesses. The Arsenal vice-captain, who lifted the Continental Cup alongside skipper Kim Little a fortnight ago, received the award from Kelly Smith, herself a legend for both Arsenal and England, of course. The Power of Football Award went to the England squad for the impact they have had on the game by winning the European Championships last summer and subsequently qualifying for this summer's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand in sensational style, winning all ten of their matches and scoring 80 goals while conceding none. They have also campaigned successfully to ensure that girls and boys enjoy the same level of access to sport in school. Little and Beth Mead were both nominated for the Women's Player of the Year Award, which was won by Chelsea's Sam Kerr, while Laura Weinrother's thumping effort against Manchester United at Emirates Stadium was nominated for Goal of the Season. Get set for Bayern Test don't forget that we're back at Emirates Stadium this month as we take on German giants Bayern Munich in a massive Champions League quarter-final. 
The home leg will be played on Wednesday, March 29th at Emirates Stadium with kick-off at 8pm and we will know precisely what we have to do to reach the semi-finals because the away leg takes place this coming Tuesday, March 21st at the Allianz Arena. Kick-off in Germany is at 5.45pm. Tickets are on sale now and you can scan the QR code in the programme to purchase. But please note this game is not included in the Arsenal women's season ticket or the Arsenal members who took advantage of the exclusive six-game package. Arsenal won the competition as part of our historic quadruple in 2006-7 and have reached the quarter-finals a record 15 times. We haven't been in the semi-finals for 10 years though, so come and cheer us on. Kim closing in on Landmark It has been a busy three weeks for Arsenal captain Kim Little. Firstly, she collected her MBE for services to football. Then she followed that up by lifting the Continental Cup, having scored the penalty that gave Arsenal the lead on their way to a 3-1 win over Chelsea. And then last Sunday she scored from the spot in just the fourth minute as Arsenal went on to thump Reading 4-0. The Continental Cup was her 14th trophy across two spells at Arsenal, but her impact cannot be measured in titles alone. Every single player to appear in the inspiration feature in our Women's Match Day programme has cited Kim as an influence, not just for her world-class talent, but for her dedication and her humility. Kim, our second highest scorer of all time, with 163 goals, behind Jane Ludlow's 211, is now just 13 appearances away from 300 for the club. Not long to go now, Kim. Fixtures and results. 16th September, Brighton and Hove Albion, home, WSL, 4-0. 20th September, Ajax, home, UCL, 2-2. 24th September, Tottenham Hotspur, home, WSL, 4-0. 28th September, Ajax, UCL, 1-0. 16th October, Reading, WSL, 1-0. 19th October, Lyon, UCL, 5-1. 23rd October, Liverpool, WSL, 2-0. 27th October, FC Zurich, home, UCL, 3-1. 30th October, West Ham United, home, WSL, 3-1. 6th November, Leicester City, WSL, 4-0. 19th November, Manchester United, home, WSL, 2-3. 24th November, Juventus, UCL, 1-1. 3rd December, Everton, home, WSL, 7th December, Juventus, home, UCL, 1-0. 11th December, Aston Villa, WSL, 4-1. 15th December, Lyon, home, UCL, 0-1. 21st December, FC Zurich, UCL, 9-1. 15th January, Chelsea, home, WSL, 1-1. 26th January, Aston Villa, CC, 3-0. 29th January, Leeds United, home, FAC, 9-0. 5th of February, West Ham United, WSL, 0-0. 8th February, Manchester City, home, CC, 1-0, AT.
11th February, Manchester City, WSL, 1-2. 26th February, Chelsea, FAWC, 0-2. 5th March, Chelsea, CC, 3-1. 8th of March, Liverpool, home, WSL, 2-0. 12th of March, Reading, home, WSL, 4-0. 21st March, Bayern Munich, UCL. 26th March, Tottenham Hotspur, WSL. 29th March, Bayern Munich, home, UCL. 2nd April, Manchester City, home, WSL. 23rd April, Manchester United, WSL. 30th April, Everton, WSL. 7th May, Leicester City, home, WSL. 21st May, Chelsea, WSL. 28th May, Aston Villa, home, WSL. To be arranged, Brighton and Hove Albion, WSL. To be arranged, Liverpool, home, WSL. Crystal Palace FC 30 years of the Premier League, games 529, wins 151, losses 240, goals 568, goals conceded 761, seasons in the PL 14, highest position 10th 2014 to 15, lowest position 20th 1992 to 93 and 1997 to 98. Finished in the top half once. Most appearances, Wilfried Zaha, 286. Most goals, Wilfried Zaha, 67. Crystal Palace visit the Premier League leaders this afternoon in a slump. The South Londoners have yet to win a game in 2023. 11 in the Premier League, including Wednesday night's 1-0 defeat in their derby game, at high-flying Brighton, plus one in the FA Cup, a third-round 2-1 defeat at home to Southampton. They have not scored more than once in a game since their last win, 2-0 at Bournemouth on New Year's Eve, managing just four in the league since that fixture, and none in their last four matches. Palace's sharp decline since the turn of the year has plunged them into relegation trouble. Although there are still eight clubs below them in the Premier League table, their tally of 27 points was just five above bottom place going into this weekend. It is a tide that must turn soon if the club are to ease the pressure on manager Patrick Vieira and ultimately secure a tenth successive season in the Premier League. Relegated at the end of each of their first four Premier League campaigns in 1992-93, 1994 to 95, 1997 to 98, and 2004 to 5, the Eagles have established themselves as part of the top flight furniture over the past decade. Indeed, they have been remarkably consistent from one season to the next, finishing between 10th and 15th in every one of the last nine campaigns. Last season, with Arsenal legend Vieira having taken over from Roy Hodgson, they finished 12th and also reached the semi-final of the FA Cup. This campaign opened with a 2-0 home defeat by Arsenal, but Palace generally had a decent first half of the campaign, with the only other losses in their first 10 league games to Manchester City and Chelsea, 
and at the World Cup break, they sat in 11th place with 5 wins and 19 points from their 14 games. The new year, however, has proved fraught in the extreme, with just 5 more points added to their total, all from draws. While Palace had drawn 4 league games in a row at Selhurst Park, before losing 1-0 to a late penalty against Manchester City there last Saturday, they have collected just one point on their travels in 2023, in mid-February at Brentford, when they were agonisingly denied that elusive first victory of the year by an added time equaliser. The next win cannot come soon enough for them. The boss, Patrick Vieira, manager, born Dakar, Senegal, 23rd of June 1976, previously New York City 2016-18, Nice 2018-20. An Arsenal midfield great who was a key figure in the Gunners' glory days under Arsene Wenger, winning three Premier League titles and four FA Cups, Patrick also won the World Cup and European Championships with France, for whom he amassed 107 caps. He left Highbury for Juventus, then played out his career at Inter and back in England with Manchester City before taking on an executive role with the club and starting out as a coach with their MLS franchise New York City in January 2016. He left for Nice in 2018 and remained there until December 2020, becoming Crystal Palace's new boss in July 2021. 11. The club legend, Wilfried Saha, forward. Born, Abidjan, Ivory Coast, 10th of November 1992. Previously, Crystal Palace, Man United, Crystal Palace on loan, Cardiff on loan. A Palace Academy graduate, Wilfried has blossomed into one of the country's most mercurial talents and, after two stints at the club, comprising over 450 appearances, a Selhurst Park legend. His pace and trickery persuaded Manchester United to buy him in 2013-14, but he barely played for David Moyes' side and returned to South London, where he quickly established his Premier League credentials. A former England under-21 international, the 30-year-old plays his senior international football for the Ivory Coast. 6. The Lynchpin Mark Gaye, defender, born Abidjan, Ivory Coast, 13th of July 2000, previously Chelsea, Swansea on loan. Mark joined Palace two summers ago from Chelsea, his parent club since the age of seven, after 18 impressive months on loan at Swansea that ended in the 2020-21 Championship playoff final. He was born in the Ivory Coast, but brought up in England, the country he has represented at every age group level from under 16 to senior, and has won three caps under Gareth Southgate. Mark made just two senior appearances for Chelsea, both in the EFL Cup, but has barely missed a Premier League minute for Palace. 16. The Tall Guy Joachim Andersen, Defender Born Suirod Strand, Denmark 31st of May 1996 Previously, FC 20, Sampdoria, Lyon, Fulham, on loan and ever-present for Denmark at the 2022 World Cup in Qatar, Joachim has also been frequently selected by Patrick Vieira 
in the centre of the Crystal Palace defence since he arrived in the summer of 2021, following a season on loan at Fulham from French club Lyon. The 26-year-old, who started his career in the Netherlands with 20, before also playing in Italy with Sampdoria, scored his first goal for Palace in a 4-2 defeat at Manchester City back in August. 17. The right-back, Nathaniel Klein, defender. Born Stockwell, 5th of April 1992. Previously, Crystal Palace, Southampton, Liverpool, Bournemouth on loan. A native South Londoner, Nathaniel began his career at Palace playing four seasons in the Championship before joining Premier League Southampton in 2012. Three productive years later, he was on the move again to Liverpool, and although his first two seasons there went well, a spate of serious injuries eventually took their toll, and he returned to Palace as a free agent in the autumn of 2020. This season, the 30-year-old has taken over from club stalwart Jell Ward, as the team's first choice right back. 3. The left back, Tyrick Mitchell, defender, born Brent, 1st of September 1999, previously none. Tyrick has been the first choice left back at Palace since Patrick Vieira's arrival and impressed to such an extent last season that he won two senior England camps, making his debut a year ago in a 2-1 friendly win against Switzerland at Wembley. The 23-year-old North Londoner didn't make his first-team debut for the Eagles until July 2020, but did enough during his debut season to earn a long-term contract. The only Premier League games he has missed this season were due to suspension after the red card he received in a home defeat by Fulham on Boxing Day. 7. The Rising Star Michael Olise, midfielder Born Hammersmith, 12th of December 2001, previously Reading. A standout player in the 2020-21 Championship for Reading, scoring seven goals in 44 appearances and earning himself the EFL Young Player of the Season prize, Michael was subsequently recruited by Palace and handed a five-year contract. Born in England, but already a youth and under-21 international for France, for whom he qualifies through his mother, the gifted 21-year-old left-footer made a tentative start last season, but has developed into a first-team regular this term, scoring important goals against West Ham and Manchester United. 15. The athlete, Jeffrey Schlupp, midfielder, born Hamburg, Germany, 23rd of December 1992, previously Leicester, Brentford, on loan. Born in Germany to Ghanaian parents, but brought up in England, Geoffrey is a graduate of the Leicester City Academy and went on to help the club win the Premier League, making 24 appearances in their triumphant 2015-16 campaign. He fell out of favour the following season and joined Palace in mid-campaign for a reported £12 million. The pacey, powerful left-footer, now 30, has played in a variety of positions for the Eagles and has featured regularly in the starting eleven this term. 10. The Maverick, Ebrici Eze, Forward, born Greenwich, 29th of June 1998, previously QPR, Wickham on loan. Signed in August 2020 for £17 million following a brilliant season for QPR 
in which he scored 14 championship goals. 24-year-old Eberici arrived at Selhurst Park with the reputation as one of English football's finest up-and-coming talents. After an encouraging debut season, he was sidelined by an Achilles injury for most of the 2021-22 campaign, but has been a regular again this term, albeit chiefly as a substitute in recent weeks, his fourth league goal of the season coming last month in the 1-1 draw at Brentford. Scouting Report by Michael Cox Last weekend, Patrick Vieira's job was to devise a game plan to frustrate one of his former clubs who are challenging for the title. Today, it's the same again. Vieira's approach against Manchester City last Saturday was interesting. He brought in club captain Luka Milivojevic for his first Premier League start since October, which allowed the other two midfielders, Jeffrey Schlupp and Arsenal Loney Albert Sambilakonga, to manmark City's attacking midfielders, tracking Ilke Gundogan and Bernardo Silva across the pitch. It largely worked. City created very little and only got the breakthrough after Michael Olise's clumsy foul on Gundogan when Palace went to sleep as City played a short corner. Against an Arsenal side that employs a similar approach to City, we can probably expect something similar from Vieira, although he won't be able to use Laconga. Vieira has chopped and changed in most positions this season, but his selection has been consistent at the back. Vincenti Goeta was an ever-present in goal until midweek, while Joachim Anderson and Mark Gouet have established a fine relationship in defence. Both are good in possession and capable of playing long balls downfield. Nathaniel Klein and Tyrick Mitchell, two academy products at opposite ends of their careers, have generally played out wide. Joel Ward is a dependable deputy and can play on either side. Czech Dukore missed the game against City because of suspension, but should return in the holding role, while the enforced absence of Laconga means one of Elisi or Ibrici Eze may play in the centre of midfield to complete the trio with Schrupp. Earlier in the season, Vieira played a very attack-minded midfield, featuring both Elisi and Eze in a three, but with Palace in poor form, Vieira's team selections have become cagier. Will Hughes is another option. While Jordan Ayew has sometimes been fielded in something of a midfield role, despite wearing the number nine shirt, Vieira could also use a 4-2-3-1 formation, with Ayew behind the main striker. Vieira hasn't quite found the right combination in the final third. Ayew or Olisi play from the right, with the latter's crossing and set-piece delivery particularly dangerous. Jean-Philippe Mateta and Odson Edouard have both been given opportunities up front this season, but haven't done enough to hold down a starting place, so Wilfried Saha will probably be used through the middle as a counter-attacking striker. He's played that role expertly on occasion this season, including away at Liverpool when he scored a fine breakaway goal. He tends to peel off to the left in the manner of Thierry Henry. Palace are a confusing side. They've proved capable of causing the big side's problems, drawing twice with both Newcastle United and Liverpool, going 2-0 up at the Etihad before losing 4-2, 
and snatching a late draw at home to Manchester United. But they're yet to beat a top-half side this season, and their priority here might be frustrating Arsenal and hoping for the odd chance on the break. Teenage Kicks At 19 years and 15 days, Crystal Palace's Joe Whitworth became the youngest goalkeeper to appear in a Premier League game on Wednesday night since Ben Olmwick in December 2005 for Sunderland vs Spurs, 18 years, 336 days. Regular keeper Vincente Goeta was injured for the trip to Brighton. Match action. Fulham versus Arsenal. Fulham nil, Arsenal three. Arsenal scorers: Gabriel, 21st minute; Martinelli, 26th minute; Odegaard, 45th minute plus two. Sunday, March 12, 2023, Craven Cottage. Timeline: 16th minute. Robinson scores an own goal but it's ruled out following a VAR check for offside against Martinelli. 21st minute. Gabriel thumps home a header from Trossard's corner. 26th minute. Martinelli heads in at the far post after a great move. 45th minute. Odegaard smashes home left-footed inside the box. 69th minute. Mitrovic heads against the bar. Alexander Zinchenko. Fulham are a very good team. They've played well this season, especially at home. We knew that they're dangerous, so we obviously prepared quite well. I think our first half performance was quite good. We controlled almost everything on and off the ball. Facts This was Mikel Arteta's 100th win as Arsenal manager in his 168th game in charge. Leandro Trossard became the first player in Premier League history to assist three goals before half-time in an away match. We've become the first side in English Football League history to win five consecutive London derbies away from home without conceding a goal. Teams For Arsenal, manager Mikel Arteta Shirt, red with white sleeves. Shorts, white. Socks, red. 1. Aaron Ramsdale, goalkeeper. 3. Kieran Tierney. 4. Ben White. 5. Thomas Partey. 6. Gabriel Magalhães. 7. Bukayo Saka. 8. Martin Odegaard. 9. Gabriel Jesus. 10. Emil Smith-Rowe. 11. Gabriel Martinelli 12. William Saliba 14. Edian Katia 15. Jakob Kivya 16. Rob Holding 18. Takahiro Tomiyasu 19. Leandro Trossard 20. Giorgino 21. Fabio Vieira 24. Rhys Nelson 25. Mohamed Elneny 30. Matt Turner, goalkeeper 31. Carl Hine, goalkeeper. 34. Granit Xhaka. 35. Alexandra Zinchenko. 83. Ethan Nwaneri. For Crystal Palace, head coach, Patrick Vieira. Shirt, black with red and blue sash. Shorts, black. Socks, black. 2. Joel Ward. 3. Tyrick Mitchell. 
4. Luka Milivojevic 5. James Tonkins 6. Mark Gay 7. Michael Olisa 8. Albert Sambi Laconga 9. Jordan Ayu 10. Eberici Eze 11. Wilfried Zaha 13. Vincenti Goeta, goalkeeper 14. Jean-Philippe Mateta 15. Jeffrey Schloop 16. Joachim Anderson 17. Nathaniel Klein 18. James MacArthur 19. Will Hughes 21. Sam Johnston, goalkeeper 22. Hudson Edouard 26. Chris Richards 28. Sheikh Ducore 29. Nawiru Ahamada 36. Nathan Ferguson 41. Joe Wishworth, goalkeeper 43. Kofi Balmer 44. Jairo Riedewald 47. Jack Wells Morrison 76. Adler Nascimento 77. David Ozo 78. Caden Rodney Referee Stuart Atwell Assistant Referees Lee Betts James Mannering Fourth Official Andy Madley VAR Official Darren England Assistant VAR Official Sean Marcialis No Room for Racism The Arsenal Foundation Helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport Camden Town Brewery, official beer partner of Arsenal FC. Soak it, Arsenal FC, official money transfer partner. Supercharge your global payments and money transfers. Visit Sokin.com. Sokin is a trading name and a registered trademark of Plato Capital Limited. For further information on accessing the Sokin app and related payment services in your country of residence, please refer to www.sokin.com. Adidas, Arsenal. New 22-23 third kit. Available now at the Armoury and ArsenalDirect.com. Listen up, I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes! Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. Hm, Instacart for the win. 
So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 